0: Welcome to Arts Talk TV. We're putting a spotlight on creativity. Hi there, I'm Karina Lawrence and welcome to Arts Talk TV. We're here at Miami Marquetta, which is our awesome entertainment hub here on the Gold Coast in Queensland. It not only has a great atmosphere, but the nightlife is just awesome, and you can enjoy some night markets and some really great times with your friends. So make sure you check it out if you're in the area. We are so excited to introduce you to our first guest here on Arts Talk TV. She has an assortment of knowledge and is a well renowned educator in the performing arts sector. We feel very privileged to welcome to Arts Talk TV Shannon Atkins. <laughs> Hi there, Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very lucky to have you here, because normally you're based in New York City, right? Normally, yes. I know that your history, though, originated in Australia. You moved to New York City six years ago. Yes. Obviously very passionate about the education. You worked with the Griffith Conservatorium of Music, teaching jazz, tap, ballet, musical theatre as an instructor and choreographer. The Commonwealth Society of Teachers, you were a choreographer and arranged the syllabus at the highest level of tap dancing. So is that your forte, is that like, what would you say is your genre?
1: Well, a lot of people do think it is tap, but I actually have been really renowned over in New York for jazz and I'm also musical theatre. So I feel maybe it's gone in more in that direction and maybe that's a sign of where the times have gone. But I did choreograph the final TAP exam syllabus and routines for the CSTD syllabus here and I, TAP will always be a passion of mine. It's just I think there's a little more work maybe and popularity in the jazz and musical theatre.
0: Now another thing that's pretty exceptional and amazing, you implemented the designing of the Performing Arts Certificate which included all the different elements and the correct grading for the Certificate 3 Performing Arts Australia. Yeah. Tell us more about that.
1: Well, that was way back when I had my school and I just thought to myself after doing a couple of musicals, these kids need more well-rounded training and they need to have voice coaching. They need to be trained in how to act. They need to know how to act when they dance. They need to have more of a versatile scope. They need to know how to improvise. Um, They can't just have a training in jazz and lyrical dance and in a commercial scene of just one style. So I just wanted to make sure that we included so much diversity because it is funny how musicals, particularly if they want a certificate three in performing arts, they need to know how to, to do so much more than just dance. And I think back then in particular, Kids were very good at being good robots at what you told them what to do, but for them to actually think outside the box, be creative themselves, or if they were in a setting where, for example, in New York, I filmed a commercial, and you have to be able to say to your performers, I need you to go over here and just give me some natural dance movement, make it look like you're at a party with friends, but make it look natural, not too staged. So I think training and practice so that they feel comfortable. They also need to know terminology. A lot of kids here wouldn't know if you said to them stage left Mm -hmm. or you said, you know, I need you to find that light there. They needed to know all of those aspects. So they needed a theoretical component as well. And I feel like we tried to really incorporate that so that they would be ready no matter what they were faced with. And I think it was important to have that all-encompassing material for that certificate, for it to be a true certificate in performing
0: arts. Yeah, it gives them more of an extensive variety to maintain a longevity of a career. Absolutely. doesn't it? There's a lot behind that from an education point of view. What would your theory or what would your vision in comparison to say here in New York City be? I think
1: in New York, it is training them to work professionally and focusing on what you would do in a professional setting. Okay. Obviously they need technique, and I think of, in Australia, it's so, I'm so proud to be from here. Our technique over there is always, oh, you're from Australia, you can have amazing technique.
0: Hardworking too. And
1: really good, especially our ballet foundation, all of that uh, is so highly reputable. So that's something that's really good. And, and the work ethic of the people from Australia has got a really good reputation. But I think in New York, the training focuses on What would you need if you're auditioning to be Janet Jackson's backup dancer? What would you need if you were going in to audition to be in a Broadway show or a rocket? Things like that and the tools that you need to be successful in auditions. So I think that over here, I see them doing a lot of lyrical and commercial jazz and it's beautiful to watch, but I often think, where are they gonna perform that if they get a job? Even though it's great for fitness and stamina, it's a shame there isn't a show for that because some of the kids and the videos that we see are phenomenal. But I think that the training in New York is really shaping them to step foot into the career scene and make that happen. So it's it's very hip hop commercial based and very true musical theatre based. You, you always put on your heels. You know, it's very much tailored to what it would be like along with a lot of work on audition process. And I feel over here... It's more just you do the class, and then you you know, you know wanna get a nice video, put it up, and they're great. They're so talented, but I feel that maybe the styles aren't as diverse. The strength and the training probably outshines, but the diversity and knowledge of what is going to happen in those auditions, and the fact that you have to know how to do a clean triple pirouette in heels. So I think it's just that tailoring of it to be more for the next step in terms of a job.
0: So you touched base on your school, which was uh, dance technique. Um, So you were the principal there and you've had so many incredible successes from your students. Uh Juilliard School, English National Ballet, the Royal Ballet School, Alvin Ailey, Joffrey, Broadway. Tell us about that.
1: Obviously it's a school on the Gold Coast and you don't think, I mean, we think big, but when you think that some of those kids have gone on to be represented in the most famous companies in the world. It's incredible. And I mean, I always ran a very tight ship, which, you know, I had genuine love for those kids, but I wanted them to be the best that they could be. And if if they had those goals in mind, they had to be given the training and I had to push them so that they had the best chance to achieve those goals. And I think the proof was in the pudding and the discipline I expected, not only within the classroom, but how they came in dressed, my expectations. You know, they were set high, and I think dancers and kids, if you raise the bar high, they will meet it. But it's not just the training, it's giving them the belief that they can do it. One thing I've learned over there, and I did implement it here at Dance Technique, but not really knowing how key it was, is that you don't have to be like everybody else. If you see someone dancing a certain way or dressing a certain way, don't go and do that just because everybody else is doing it. It really is your own gift to be unique. So I think a lot of my students really held that.
0: And it's really about finding their own path yeah. and enhancing and, and giving them the, the sense of belief system as you touched on to um, instinctively ride that course, yet still have the versatility yep. to, to take on opportunities as they come. Exactly, and to believe
1: that what falls in your path was what was meant for you. But to know that if you audition for something, no regrets, I put in the work, I tried my best, This, this time it wasn't for
0: me. So that then they come out of it with a really good mental state as well. So your transition from Australia to New York, give us a little bit of detail into that. As much as it's an incredible, inspiring and and amazing experience, there's a lot of hardships, like even just simple things like setting up bank accounts and and stuff like that.
1: I loved New York. I felt very connected to that. And I thought, if you don't do it now and bite the bullet, you're not going to do it. You know, what are you waiting for? And the visa process was actually really smooth and easy back then for me, not for everybody, but I managed to have enough of the right things I needed and the right connections over there to get me that artist visa that so many struggle with. So I was very lucky with that.
0: You've talked to me briefly about um, the difference between a visa and then a green card. Well,
1: the green card is a great goal to have because that means you're a permanent resident and it means you can work, you can live there like an American person, you still can't vote, but everything else is the same except you don't have a passport. The visa is usually limited years, and you can only work in the arts on an artist visa. For me, it's been no problem. It's served me well, and I've managed to get up on my second one now. I did try for the green card, and I got an officer that just did not understand dance, and I ended up putting a halt on that. For my line of work, I can be a choreographer on Broadway. I can do all my teaching on an artist visa. It's very good for me, but if you're a performer, you actually need a green card to get on Broadway, which is what has stopped a lot of Australian performers. Anthony Warlow, I met him overseas, and he was the lead in Hook on Broadway, on an artist visa, and because they wanted him so badly, they had to hire other Americans with green cards to make up for the fact that he had only an artist visa but other performers just wanting chorus work, they get stopped and it's really, if they got the role, if a company wanted them that badly, they would have to sponsor them for a green card.
0: Well, I think the great thing behind it is it hasn't held you back. No. So you've been in New York for six years, which isn't that long, really. And already you've achieved teaching at the Joffrey Ballet School. You're part of the New York City Performing Arts yep. um, as a dance teacher and choreographer. Some of the most prestigious schools over there, Broadway Dance Center, and you've also allowed that to blossom and enhance your travels further. Gosh,
1: hearing you even talk about that all back to me, I'm just like, it makes me emotional. I'm like, wow.
0: Obviously, I know that you were part of the Dance Moms.
1: Oh, the Dance Mums. So I got approached by my company to judge for Dance Mums and I was like, oh, this will be really cool. There was a big set set up. They did limit the amount of numbers that could enter, uh, but it was a real competition, so they didn't sway us in any way. It was all completely a genuine competition. The only difference was the Dance Mum performances had to perform, I think, three times their routine to get the different angles. But we all stepped away while that happened. And then before a dance mum's number started, you had to wait for Abby and the mums to come and sit in the audience. And they had to set up where they could film, you know, what they were doing so they could get the reactions. Apart from that, it felt like a normal comp. the awards ceremony was normal. You didn't see or feel any of the drama that goes on in the show. Not that they weren't reacting maybe like that. And I know when they, when you walked past, I could see the dressing room set up where they had, you know, the lights. And I think a lot of the drama often goes down in there, but it was, you know, it was still really cool to have like the TV crew and seeing all the kids so excited that the dance mums were there, like,
0: Coming back after your experience in New York City and um, and throughout the rest of the world, would you say the industry's changed at all from when you were part of it, particularly the competition circuit? Because that's a very heavy focus here. I feel like
1: coming back here, the competition scene when I left, the big one that we did was one that everyone went to and I felt like it was, you know, it was a big comp. There was a lot, the Gold Coast comp, Everyone was in it, massive sections, and I felt like it was really strong competition. And and it was usually an interstate judge that we didn't know. That meant a lot, whereas coming back I've seen that everything's much smaller. So maybe you win, but I don't think for me it would be as rewarding. In America, it's a much bigger country. They can fly me over to LA and I can judge and I won't know anyone. I can get dropped into the middle of Ohio. There's a million comps every weekend and a million studios and enough judges to really make sure that no one knows anyone. And they make sure of that. They don't. The comps I work for, they do not want you to know anyone.
0: OK, so we have here on Arts Ooh. Talk TV A really fun little segment. It's called Shutter Speed Challenge. So the idea is it's just like, quick think whatever comes to your mind straight away. Last song you listened to?
1: Jackie, Jack, Jack, Jackie.
0: (laughs) What does creativity mean to you?
1: Stepping outside the box.
0: Brilliant. Person you'd most like to meet?
1: Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: (laughs) What question would you ask him? Marry me. (laughs) (laughs) Last piece of art that really affected you?
1: Carousel on Broadway. Wow, why? Oh, it was just so simplistically beautiful.
0: Okay, if you had to label creativity with a colour, what colour would you choose? Fuchsia pink. (laughs) What would you miss most about the arts?
1: All the connections and relationships. I think we're, you know, we're just such unique people. And I just think if we didn't have it, then we would stop being those people and then I wouldn't have those people in my life.
0: What's on your bedside table currently?
1: A glass of water.
0: (laughs) What chore do you most dislike doing? I
1: hate unpacking. (laughs) I hate
0: it. (laughs) And you travel so much. I know. Okay, in one word, what does the arts mean to you? Life thank you so much shannon we are so privileged to have you here on the show your input everything that you've contributed uh, i feel so privileged and proud to share this with you and um, i'm sure our community is grateful for everything that you've contributed today and no doubt going to continue to do so thank you so much
1: thank you for having me
0: (laughs) absolutely Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.